and welcome to the Sauk Valley Spotlight Podcast, where we shine a light on the people and places of the beautiful Sauk Valley. In each episode, we highlight the hidden gems and untold stories of local businesses, community leaders, and the people that call the Sauk Valley home. I'm your host, Drew Williams, and today I'm joined by Sheriff John Booker, who serves the Whiteside County Sheriff's Department. John, thank you for joining us today. Well, thanks for inviting me. I I look forward to this. Yeah, absolutely. Can you uh, give a quick introduction for our listeners? Who are you? Who do you love? You know, I'm I'm the sheriff of Whiteside County. I love my profession. I love this community. Uh, I've I've been a police officer for 32 years, started my career at City of Rock Falls, worked there for seven years, been at the sheriff's office for the last 25, held every position from patrol deputy to chief deputy, and now the sheriff of Whiteside County. Uh, I've ran SWAT teams. Mm. I've worked detective section. Mm. My whole career has been a police officer. Wow. So um, 32 years now serving in law enforcement. What got you into that? Tell us a little bit of the story of John Booker. You can go back as far as you want, but what got you first into law enforcement and then to get you now to serving as the sheriff? You know, this is a personal story I, I share sometimes, not a lot of open with people. Uh, growing up, you know, didn't have the greatest home life. Uh, it was kind of a an unwritten rule. There'd be domestic situations at our house, and my mom would say either call the priest or the police. Mm. And uh, a couple times police came to the house, and they sure didn't uh, handle situations. I was a young kid, and I didn't think they handled it the way you should. Uh, and I I told myself I'm going to be a police officer mm. when, I, when I grow up, and, and I want to work with kids in situations like that. Uh, I've always tried to do everything for kids in circumstances like that where they're put in a terrible position, whether it's domestic, car crash, whatever. Have the police do that little bit of extra to help these kids through these tough times. And that's always had a, a spot in my heart uh, throughout my career. Still a sheriff, I am involved with anything that the youth are involved. I I will do anything to help them to try and make their lives better. Mm, mm. How beautiful to see even kind of the the redemption arc uh, of being a recipient of maybe not the best sort of care from law enforcement, but that causing you to say, well, then I want to be part of the change. How have you seen that over your, your history uh, serving with police and then now sheriff's department? Um, has that been a thing that has been changing over the last 30 years? Yeah, you know, 32 years is a long time to, to be in any profession. You know, when I first started, everything was community policing, community-oriented policing. Everything was getting out of the police cars, uh, getting out to help people. Hmm. We got away from that where it was just arresting people, throwing the bad guy in jail. That didn't take care of our problem. We hmm. can't arrest ourselves out of the problem that we're in right now in our communities. Now police offers help to for people that have substance abuse problems, mental health treatment. Uh, we have all these different avenues that police are able to help uh, people with. We're going back to kind of where I first started as a mm. police officer, to getting involved in the communities and looking more to what's the root of the problems, mm. drugs, mental health, and trying to help people instead of just locking them up and letting them sit in jail that isn't doing any good. Yeah. Um you're mentioning how police are usually the first ones called for a variety of issues 
whether it's a domestic dispute, whether it's someone suffering from mental illness or uh, a substance abuse uh, interaction, sometimes it's violent, sometimes it's not. Uh, do you feel like that is a, um, how have you seen yourself or the department that you've worked with handle that type of pressure of, of needing to be so flexible to not really knowing what you're walking into when you get there? Yeah, and that's the biggest thing is uh, flexibility. You know, you always got to be on guard as a police because you never know what kind of situ situation you're going to walk into. But we're, we have some very talented young men and women that put the uniform on that understand that, you know, everyone you deal with isn't a criminal. Just, they may do a criminal offense, but what caused them to do that criminal offense? You know, they're trying to, to support their uh, addiction mm. to drugs, so they're stealing. And... Uh, or they're acting out because they're having a, a mental health crisis. Yeah. So the deputies realize this and, you know, they learn how to talk and communicate to people. Mm -hmm. That's the biggest thing, you know. People don't really communicate the way we should, you know. They send text messages when they should face-to-face -face communicate. Sure. And uh, that's one thing I'm very proud of is the way our deputies handle situations professionally and they get they get a good outcome where they're helping people. Mm. Has that been a, a thing that is new um, in the in the recent years or decades of more of the training and those soft skills, the people skills? Yeah, I think more training. You know, there there are so many times when you'll see police violence on TV. They show that everywhere. Uh, you know, unfortunately, there there is situations where police do have to take a life uh, in a situation where it's justified. The police communicate. A lot more, and I think the programs are out there. A lot more training for police. We do scenario-based trainings, and just all in all, you know, the training that police are required is a lot more than when I first started 32 years ago. Mm. Have you seen that? That's been uh, how has that directly affected maybe those under your care now as you're the the sheriff? Well, I, I think anytime you do some training, you know, we have you know a big. Why I say video game set up where it shoot don't shoot type scenarios mm. where you go and you, and you basically play a video game on a large yeah. uh, screen and uh, someone has a, a cell phone when they turn around when you know could be a gun and you have to identify right away that's a cell phone and not a gun and that's a don't shoot situation but yeah the training is so much more for officers uh, that they have to go through mandate trainings and I think that helps. That helps our police. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I reflect on kind of the my personal uh, sentiment with police growing up as a young kid. You know, there's this kind of uh, lionizing of, of a police officer. It's like, you know, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? And it's this this picture perfect idea of a, a officer's uniform or, a you know, a, a a fire a fire department, you know, employee or or, you know, oh, an astronaut. Right. Like these these like picture perfect ideals of these professions and and police have long held that in the the cultural view of like wow what an amazing thing to be a police officer but then during especially probably most of your 32 years in law enforcement our country has had a roller coaster view of law enforcement sometimes you know, idolizing and putting on this pedestal of this beautiful, amazing thing to aspire to, and sometimes completely demonizing and vilifying law enforcement. How have how have you experienced that uh, roller coaster of kind of in the, in the national discussion of police officers, the the up and down views of law enforcement? 
Yeah, you know, when I first started uh, the uniform, you just showed up in the presence of a, a police officer in a uniform and the respect. Yeah. So then that kind of got away. Mm. You know, some some foolish actions by some police and times gave us negative uh, uh, press and that, that had an impact on all of us uh, to where they don't look at the uniform and just get respect. They look at the person and how that person can conducts themselves, how they speak to people. That's where the, the deputies are getting the respect now. Do you think that's easier, the personal connection in a community like, like this that's a smaller community where you can actually get to know people? I think it is because, you know, we'll go to the grocery store the same as everyone else. We're not always working. The, the the nicest thing in the world is, you know, over the years I've I've arrested people and they've came up to me at the grocery store and say, thank you for what you've done. Wow. And, you know, it was a bad day for them. They get yeah. arrested. And, you know, when my kids were little, they would always joke and they're like, does everyone that you arrest come up and speak to you? <laughs> and, and I think, you know, you just treat people fairly mm. and and the way you want to be treated. And it has a lot to, a lot of impact on on whether you can change their lives or not. Mm. Was that ever a thought for you, uh, living in the same community that you have served? Um, have you ever been uh, worried or concerned about safety or awkward conversations when your family was around, when your kids were around? Yeah, you know, I grew up in Mendota, uh, a little distance from here, so it's not exactly, but I've been here for 32 years. Unfortunately, I've had... Uh, threats. I had mm. my house spray painted by gang members. Mm. Uh, they spray painted my door, spray painted my squad car, uh, put cop killer on the side of my squad car and put that on my front door, my residence. So yeah, there was always some, some fear, but you know, I went out and I talked to the local guy that I knew was in charge of the gang and, and sat and we had a conversation and and I, I think the problem was resolved that way. Mm. Uh, I never had any more issues, and I think I got more respect that way. Mm. What What has caused you to feel like the person-to-person connection is the way to handle that? Well, just th- through the years uh, working, you know, I, I tell a story when I first started as a as a rookie cop in Rock Falls. I would walk through the, the housing projects, and uh, it didn't matter what time, day or night, everyone would yell, 5-0. That the the cops are here. Mm -hmm. And it would be 12 12 at night or 9 in the morning, and I would do this. Well, I I kept doing that, and I gradually quit hearing that. Mm. And I'm like, what the heck's going on? And then I would walk by a place, and they'd say, Officer, come here. And then they would tell me what's going on in the neighborhood. Mm. And just that personal... uh, contact with these people they knew i was there to help them yeah and they knew they could trust you as a police officer and i got a lot of information that way just by getting out and walking and talking to people i would imagine that as you have served over these last decades and and moved up through different departments and now overseeing the sheriff's department and and serving in in a much more kind of public facing role that I would assume that you have less time to actually do, you know, drive-throughs and community connection. How do you maintain the level of connection now versus when you were, uh, you know, on parole or not on parole on <laughs> on you know, uh, patrol? Patrol. Yeah, thank you. Not so much. parole. Uh, I still get out. I get out any community function. 
I'm there mm. as the sheriff for safety too. Yeah. You know, anytime there's a large gathering of people, I try to make a, a presence there. I I still go out on patrol a little bit with the guys every now and then, stop a car here and there, uh, get out, walk some neighborhoods. So, yeah, being the sheriff, a lot of times you're doing things that are not police-related whatsoever. Hmm. You're paying bills, taking care of buildings. Uh, someone's complaining because the air conditioning's not working in the courthouse. But but there's still the cop in me. I, yeah. I love being the cop out there helping people, patrolling, and uh, being out there. So I still try to get out as much as possible. Do you feel, you said there's still the cop in you. You love being the cop. And yet when you describe that, to you, in your mind, it sounds like to me that, that that being the cop means being the person who is connected to the community for relationship and for trust building for the sake of safety. Is that, um, have you seen, is that a, a similar sentiment with other law enforcement? Because I think recently in, in our culture, in our society, you're mentioning it earlier, there's been a, a sentiment that cops are there to arrest the bad guys. They're yeah. there to administer the swift arm of justice, and yet you're coming at it from a relational standpoint. Yeah, and I, and I think a lot of the younger officers see that with me because they'll go on calls and they all mention, well, I know the sheriff, he used to handle calls when he was out on patrol, and you know it's passed on from generation to generation to where mm. I have that community involvement. You know, There's hardly anyone that doesn't know John Booker yeah. as the cop. Yeah. How has that uh, aided your position now as sheriff? Well, obviously, it's worked pretty well. I got elected twice. So I, yeah. I, I think the people in this county like me, like for what I stand for, like my transparency. I'm pretty honest about <laughs> the way I feel with things. Sometimes that causes some issues at times, but the people know that. I'm looking out for them, number one. You know, we have a job to do. We're going to continuously do our job. We're going to enforce the laws, but we're also going to be out there to help you if you need it. Mm -hmm. I have a two-part question. Um, based on your last 32 years in law enforcement, what has been your biggest joy and then maybe your biggest challenge? The biggest joy is watching and, and seeing the development of the new officers. Mm. I really enjoy watching them become better cops. Mm. Uh, you know, they, we all come start where everyone's a criminal, everyone you think out there. And once they realize that, you know, everyone you deal with isn't a criminal and, you know, they might just be having a bad day. There might be things and then difficulties that they're having. And once you help them and then there's a bond and once you help someone, they're going to always be there to help you. Mm. My biggest disappointment is our court system. Uh, I've had people sit in our county jail for five years waiting to go to trial, mm. which is ridiculous. You're either, I think you should be in trial within 90 days. Get your trial done. Either you're found guilty or not guilty. If you're guilty, get your punishment and get going. Uh, you can't, if you're a, a child and you do something wrong, your parents don't wait five years to discipline you. Mm. How is anyone going to learn anything? Our system is just, it's not right. And it bothers me all the time to see people waiting three, four, five years for their case to go to trial. And it drives me 
against our system because it's not doing what it's supposed to do. How do you handle that that tension of being part of the system in, in the eyes of many people and yet having your own misgivings or disappointments with the system? Well, I'm pretty vocal. I uh, uh, Anyone that will listen to me, I, I mention how I don't agree with how our systems run right now on, on the continuance, people sitting in jail. And anyone that will listen, I... I tell them to speak up and, and get involved and and we need to change our system. Mm. You know, you can't have someone sitting in a jail for five years. That's why I started substance abuse treatment in the jail. Mm. These, these uh, men or women were sitting in jail for three, four years, just sitting in jail. And maybe they had a drug charge. So I, uh, a partnership uh, and now we have substance abuse in our in our jail for these people to go mm-hmm. through while mm-hmm. they're sitting there. We have mental health treatment for them while they're in there as well. Yeah. Finding out ways to support the the growth, the transformation, um, the healing of people, even while they're awaiting a decision for them. Um, how have you, have you seen um, the, I'm trying to think of how, how our, our local area, being a, a bit of a smaller local area, how does that differ from maybe the kind of larger state system? Are, are we able to do more things at, at the county level as far as support in that way, as far as building connections with people who are awaiting trial and stuff like that? How has that been different versus what you see maybe in a federal uh, prison or in a, a state court system? You know, we have a lot of uh, systems, businesses in place that can help us with goals that I want to achieve as mm. the sheriff. You know, we have treatment providers that, that are able to help and, and work together. Uh, so I think the smaller thing is, you know, we, we know most everyone in the county. Mm. You know, we're smaller or not like, you know, Cook County where there's so many more people to where we work together, you know, getting my face out there, talking to people, going to events and mentioning what we have. You know, there's a lot of... Uh, treatment providers that that want part and will help mm. in assisting us. So, you know, Whiteside County, almost 60,000 people, but but we're always looking to to look what we can do better and provide more to our people in jail as well as citizens that, you know, just live in the county. Yeah. Yeah. Um and it's interesting too having just moved here, noticing the uh the fact that you know, Sterling Rock Falls, part of Whiteside County, but also kind of sits right on this border with Lee County and uh, as connected as we are with Dixon. And then you have kind of this this non-government designation of the Sauk Valley being almost in what I've seen and felt so far is that's almost a stronger identity than any of the county kind of things. Now, you sit in the the government system of being, you know, delineated with county lines and stuff like that, but you're also uh, a resident here. You, you, you live here in this area. And so how is that kind of, are there, are there connections? Is there partnerships between kind of Lee County, Wysak County? How does that work? Because as you kind of live and work here and stuff like that, I would assume that you don't just uh, limit your friends and your connections to only Whiteside County residents, because there's also a lot of people who commute, live one place, but then work in a different place. Yeah. You know, for, as the sheriff, we have the Illinois Sheriff Association that all 102 of us sheriffs belong to. Mm. 
I have close ties with our surrounding counties. Mm. Uh, talk to them quite regularly about situations, what's going on. We have meetings with all the police chiefs. We have once a month uh, meetings with the police chiefs in our county. So we talk about what's going on. We share, we share, you know, issues with staffing, what, whatever it may be, and we we have uh, very good communication. Mm. The one positive thing, you know, COVID was such a nightmare for everyone. We used to have weekly meetings, and for a while there, we were having daily meetings where we did. A conference call. I organized having a conference call just to talk about. Yeah, we're not going out shutting down uh, businesses due right. to COVID, and you know, just rumors that we took would hear, and we shared that with all the police agencies. So, looking at COVID in a positive way, it it brought our police agencies closer together in our yeah. county. It spurred on more connection, more connection, more yeah. more cooperation, communication. Yeah, communication is the biggest thing. You know, anytime there's a major incident anywhere, the first thing that fails is communication. Mm. So that's what we keep working hard to do, and, and we're doing a good job with it. Mm. Well, um, now, you, you mentioned before, this is your uh, second term as our sheriff here, um, and I'm curious, because um, having spent as much time in law enforcement as you have, um, it's also a different perspective being uh, elected to the sheriff's office because then it's also there's a different level of influence that you have. There's a different different level of uh, the things you say are your opinion, but also carry the weight of of the department um, and stuff. And so over your time as sheriff, maybe just down to just that that season over your time as sheriff, how how have you seen the Sauk Valley change from the perspective of the sheriff's office? You know, community involvement is probably the biggest thing. Uh, you know, for my first term, we were starting to get a lot of community involvement. I think that's grown mm. tremendously mm. In, the, in this uh, second term. Probably at the end of my first term and into the second term where the community wants to get involved with stuff. They want to get involved with the police. They want to get involved with uh, whatever's going on. It seems like the community is taking more ownership in, into our county, mm. whether it's in Sterling, Rock Falls. And, and that's what we need, you know. We may have, you know, whatever number on a police agency, but when we have the whole county involved, it's so much better. And, and everyone watching out for each other. You know, I always uh, push that know your neighbor. You know, the days when you used to go be, walk to your neighbor to borrow a, a cup of sugar are over. Get back to that. Know yeah. your neighbor. Know what's going on. If you see a strange car, you know, watch out for each other. And that's what we got to do. Get back to where we care about each other and watch out for each other. Mm, yeah, that's so good. I mean, I I just moved into, my wife and I, we moved into our house right before Christmas. And so we've been there for less than six months. And, you know, during the winter months, it's a little hard to meet new neighbors, you know. But now that it's uh, uh, better, uh, more more opportunity to sit outside in your yard, to have more opportunity to connect. But it's still, it takes effort. It takes effort to to get outside of your own bubble and to walk across the yard to introduce yourself, to, to make that handshake. I would assume that uh, even for people who have lived in the same house for decades, sometimes because you're in your own rut, it's really hard to then go, yeah, I never have gone around to meeting that person. It's been five years, you know? What What is it that, that you think uh, needs to happen for people to step outside of their comfort zones to, to connect with each other? I can tell you one thing that's really changed 
myself into that, mm. running for office. Okay. You know, you go up to complete strangers, put your hand out there, shake their hand, talk about, introduce yourself. And back in 2008, I first ran for sheriff. Mm. I, was, I, I got defeated by Sheriff Wilhelmy, uh, who, uh, great man. And uh, I learned a lot through those years. Mm. And, uh, you know, I campaigned for a lot of years. Sure. And uh, that was the hardest part is, you know, I, I can walk into a, a, any police situation and take control, but, you know, I don't like going up bug, bugging people if they're sitting eating a breakfast somewhere and say, you know, I'm John Booker, I'm running for sheriff. But I had to do that. Yeah. And that really changed to where I put myself out there a lot more outgoing. Mm. I talked to everyone, and anytime I, I have a chance, I like to speak uh, they all kid me that I've never found a camera I don't like or a microphone I don't like because I'll I'll, I'll talk to anyone. I, I really enjoy my profession, my career. I love it. I love what it stands for, mm. and I could talk all day on things. Does that come naturally to you? Have you always been an outgoing person, even from a young age? I, I don't know. It's completely outgoing. I I uh, I kind of kept to myself. You know, always active in sports, played football, college football, and stuff like that. To where I would say I was kind of outgoing, but not to where you go up to complete strangers right. and talk. I I never would do that. I mean, you have your circle of friends that you always yeah. talk to, but running for a, an office that really makes you uh, expand and talk and get out there and talk to complete and, strangers and get over those those initial hangups. Yeah. So kind of what I'm hearing, even for people who might not be running for office, the the takeaway that I would I'm personally taking away is you have to find that thing that's worth more than your uh, insecurity or awkwardness. And so like if, Hey, I'm trying to accomplish this thing by running for office, that's got to mean more to me than this is awkward. So I can get over the awkwardness or for someone who's saying, Hey, I, I want to have a safe street that I live on. And that needs to mean more to me than the fact that I haven't talked to that neighbor yet to get over the fact that I'm going to go talk to that neighbor. I'm going to, uh, check up on them. I'm going to notice when, you know, their hall light is on at a different time that isn't normal. Just be like, hey, have you guys been okay? What's going on? You know, like, and not getting in each other's business, but having a, a reason to care. There's got to be a bigger reason than just me and my little circle. Um, but I also think, especially with the amount of isolation that we experience in our communities and with the amount of uh, living our life through social media and the internet, uh, that's a difficult thing now. And it really is. And, and another thing I've always tried to do here is positive. Turn everything positive. Mm. No matter what it is, you know, it's easy to walk around with a smile on your face. Mm. It, it really is. I, I try to do that. I'm always smiling. People, you know, that's something that's always been, you know, in school, the teachers always wondering what I was up to because I was smiling, <laughs> which I probably was up to something, but... You know, look at something positive. And it was tough sometimes, you know, in, in our profession, you know, you handle calls, you're mm. in terrible situations where it's easy to get in a rut and think, gosh, everything's so terrible. But, you know, someone always has it worse than you. Mm. College football coach told me that. And, mm. you know, if if you got to turn things positive, mm. you know, and I've, I've done that for since my first time being elected yeah and uh you know because as a sheriff 
so many things can go wrong daily. You know, water pipe breaking, you got water all over a courthouse. Uh, at least it's only one floor. It's not the whole courthouse. Sure. You, know, you got to look at it or it really eats at you. Yeah. Have you, have you, uh, has that, that mentality, that outlook, has that made its way into your personal life as well? It, it does. I, I really always, always try to positive mm. because, you know, so many cops, you know, because we see terrible things that people shouldn't have to see. And it's easy uh, to be negative. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not to kind of go too much on that theme of negativity, but I'm going to ask you of what are the things that aren't working right now in the Sock Valley? What things do you feel are missing? Because you've lived and worked here, you know, almost your your whole life, but definitely uh, for a long amount of time serving this community. And so as you look across kind of the, the whole Sock Valley, and, and we'll, we'll loop in the parts of Lee County, you know, that are under sure. your direct purview, but, you know, what things are what things are missing here? Um, what, what things need to be changed? You know, we, we've talked about, community involvement, I still think we need to work harder because we talk a lot that, yeah. you know, we're all going to work together, but there's still at times where, you know, one group won't work with the other for mm. whatever reason. Mm. One police agency won't work with the other just for a little something. We've got to work harder on uniting. You know, there's no I in team. Yeah, yeah. And, and for still, we still have a little bit where we can do better. Yeah. Communication. We can always do better at communicating. Uh, we're, we're doing good, but we're not quite to the end of that race. Yeah. You know, we we can we can do that better where we're all going to work together. And then we've mentioned our court system. We we got to get that. And hopefully, you know, they're doing some reform, uh, police reform. Uh, they're talking about, you know, cash bond that isn't a terrible thing if it's done properly yeah uh and one of the things was people have to be in to trial within 90 days which is great and that would that would help things out a little bit yeah yeah absolutely well what about the other side of the coin what things are what things get you excited about the sock valley what things uh bring you bring you hope and joy for this area you know i look around at our youth we have a lot of great kids out there you know you may see a little bit here and there of some kids causing trouble but the youth in our communities you know we have walked the streets talk to these kids i go to a lot of sporting events mm. we have not that everything's athletic we have some great athletes yeah. in our area but i think that also goes on to what happens later in life yeah we also have you know you go to the, the, the music downtown at, the, mm. at those festivals sometimes mm -hmm. We have a great core of kids, yeah, and we just got to keep them involved in our community and let them know that they're important to us mm. because they're our future. I think we're doing all right with that. We get them involved, you know, the honor society and all those stuff at schools. There's some outstanding kids in our areas, yeah. And we just got to make sure and letting them know that they're important to us and they're our future. And we may have to send them a text to, so they realize it. Oh, sure, yeah, if <laughs> but, I read it, yeah. But I tell you what, if we just keep putting our efforts into our youth, I, I think we're going to be okay. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. I You were mentioning the the life lessons learned in in team team dynamics. And I mean, there's, there's still life lessons that I reflect back on my junior year of high school, my basketball coach, of giving some things that have influenced the way that I, I am a man now. You know, have influenced the way that I am uh, 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 a father to some extent of seeing just, you know, 
I don't know that my basketball coach realized that he was making that kind of an impact on all of us guys on the team. But like the the decision to choose to invest, mm-hmm. and it wasn't his job. He was a volunteer coach. But the decision to say, I want to give of my time for the sake of these young people, it it's made an impact on my life, you know, 20 some odd years later. Yeah, absolutely. My high school football coach, uh, Dean Lubbs, he's has since passed away, but, you know, never having a real father figure in my life. And he was the football coach that took me under a wing, got me into the weight room, got me working hard to, to do things. And you're a hundred percent right. You're athletic coaches that put their time in, you know, they don't have to do that little extra to, that they do. And I yeah. tell you, it helps whether it's, you know, you're in band, drama, whatever, you got to get involved in, and that, I think that just makes you all around better person. Well, and I even reflect as a, almost a call to action for, you know, the adults in our community. Um, there's a, a study, um, I don't know if I've referenced this before on the podcast, but there's a study done by um, a, a seminary in California, Fuller. They have a youth institute that does nationwide studies on high schoolers mainly, but middle school and high schoolers. And they're looking at what, what were the uh, common factors that um, led to youth who had been engaged in their communities, whether it's through their churches or, or civic engagement groups and things like that in high school, to, main t- to maintain engagement post-college. Because so often the stereotype you hear is that they go away to college and then everything they used to care about or was important to them goes out the window and they're just living a carefree life or whatever. But the ones who didn't, the ones who came back to be involved or who stayed involved in either their original church community or got involved in another faith community afterwards or stayed involved in these civic groups and gave back as well, the common factor for all of them was that they had five adults in their life as role models outside of their parents of saying, there is an adult who is a coach, a tutor, a teacher, a religious leader, um, the, the, the person at the grocery store who knows my name, you know, the old guy at church who says hi to me when I'm there, even though they know I'm not going to be there every week kind of thing. There's five adults who know me and who I know care about me. That led to them having a completely different type of life than the ones who didn't have that type of support. And so for all of us adults, it's just recognizing who's a young person that you can just get to know a little bit. And you don't have to become their father figure or their mother figure, something like that, but just, oh, hey, I know your name and I'm going to wave to you when I see you. That makes such a, such a change. You know, you're a product of that. I'm a product of that. Right. And we need more of that in our community as well. And funny you say that because that's still... As a 56-year-old man mm. who's the sheriff of Whitesa County, that still is such an impression when I go in a grocery store and someone will say, Sheriff, you're doing a good job. Oh, wow, yeah. And call you by name mm. and say, you're doing a good job. That's still, and you're 100% right, those people that have influenced us through our grown-up is so important. Yeah. And even after, you know. Well, and maybe maybe it was only for a single semester on that team. right. But it changed the trajectory of a life. It does. It it does. Yeah. It really does. Wow. Wow. Well, um, man, this has just been a a fantastic conversation with you. I really appreciate it. Before we uh, turn things off here, um, if people wanted to get in contact with you um, or even to just find out more information, where would you send people to to get in contact with you or the sheriff's office? You know, I I have a, a 
John Booker, Sheriff John Booker Facebook page. Mm. Uh, they can call the sheriff's office, uh, email jbooker at whiteside.org. Uh, cell phone number, 815-631-1470. Uh, just don't call 911. Yeah. But any other way, you know, get a hold of me. Sure. Uh, and I... I'd be more than happy to talk with anyone. Absolutely. Are there any projects or upcoming things that you want to point people towards to get on their radar of things coming up in our area? You know, we, we just got done with uh, Cop on a Roof. We raised over $2,000 for a Special Olympics. Over a million dollars was raised wow. in the state of Illinois uh, last Friday, the 19th, for Special Olympics. Wow. Cops all over Illinois around the roof of Dunkin' Donuts raising money. We have a fishing derby coming up in September. Mm. Uh, we'll have all kinds of uh, programs coming up. Again, you can look at my Facebook page or the Whiteside County Sheriff's Office has their own Facebook page. Check us out, follow us, and just keep up on the events going on. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you again so much for coming and sharing your story with us today, John. Well, thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Absolutely. Until next time on the Sock Valley Spotlight, I'm your host, Drew Williams, and let's keep finding the beauty of this place we call home.